Hey there, everyone. I'm Lauren Taglianti, and welcome to the Hangover Lounge blogcast, XCU The Viewfinder, where we discuss screenwriting, audio storytelling, filmmaking, and offer different perspectives on all things entertainment industry and showbiz related. Thanks for joining us. I am glad to have David Zellerford, the co-founder of Hangover Lounge, with us today as well. Today, our guests are Kristen L. Login and Patrick Mediate. Kristen and Patrick are the writers of Soul Passage, a horror-slash-psychological supernatural thriller script that has placed in or won too many festivals and award shows to count, and we'd be here all day if I listed them all, but to name a few, there's the Los Angeles Film Festival, where it won two awards, the Hollywood Blood Horror Festival, the NOLA Horror Film Fest, the Austin Film Festival, and the International Horror Hotel Festival. And Patrick also co-hosts the Screenwriters Podcast. So we have a couple of very busy people with us today. Kristen and Patrick, thank you guys so much for being here. Thanks for having us. Yeah, thank you so much. That was a grand introduction. We're glad to have you guys. Thank you. Have you guys worked together as producers, counterparts, prior to being writing partners? Uh, yeah, we were best friends. We actually... Um, I, I actually hired Patrick for his very first job, I uh, think, right? And he was, we, we were working on a movie together and kind of hired him as a director's assistant. And we kind of struck up a, like two decades, I don't even know how long we've been friends. We've been friends a really long time. Yeah, she was, she was um, higher up than me. I was lowly on the totem pole and she gave me my first gig in the film industry on this indie film called Harvest. And we've been really good friends ever since. We've worked on some other projects together in other capacities. We worked on a documentary together. And um, yeah, then we, we joined forces for this one. So for writing on Soul Passage... Did you guys ever butt heads when you were writing together? Did we ever butt heads, Kristen? Yeah, we, we do. We butt heads, but we're we're good friends. So I think the the thing about working with a friend is that when you butt heads, it's not it's not like it's like being married. So so basically, you inevitably butt heads. I think in any creative collaboration, when you're especially when you're writing, you're going to come across different perspectives, and we. We have those moments, but we're friends and we remember that and then we joke around and we send each other memes and then we're good. So I think that's pretty much <laughs> how we deal with conflict. It is kind of like a marriage, isn't it? We also, we also take breaks, which is important. So yes. we'll, we'll treat ourselves. So we'll sit down and we'll like after writing, we'll say, okay, we're going to write for half an hour or an hour. And then we're going to watch our favorite movie or we'll go do something really fun. Yeah. We'll also write at restaurants or we'll change our writing scenery we'll go outside we'll do a picnic we'll we'll do fun stuff that that changes everything up a little bit that makes it feel a little less formal and, and that gives us a little more freedom to just have fun um instead of making it work 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 that's my favorite part of uh the whole process is getting two drafts down and then saying look we're just going to do the read of this entire thing together and we just sit you know, and sometimes we've done it at restaurants and people look at us with like the craziest faces um, and, and it's just so funny. But um, that's my it's my favorite part is, is you know, um, resembling the characters and, and voicing them and reading it out loud. Considering your friendship, how do you guys divide the writing roles between you two? We are very, very collaborative. So we do not put pen to paper or, you know, type anything out unless we're, we're both on the same page literally every time. So it's, it's collaborative from day one. We team on everything. So there's no words that are written unless we're both involved. How long did it take you guys to write Soul Passage particularly? 
about a year and a half, we took long breaks. We didn't really, you know, work on it every week. We, we let life get in the way. And, uh, and then we just sort of did rough drafts, you know, a lot of rough drafts. The actual inspiration and, and the, the journey of Soul Passage actually took m- much, much longer than that. It, it started, oh God, I probably over eight years ago, I had seen an article in Men's Health Magazine of all places. And it was a, an article about a guy whose sister went missing in Haiti. And he had to go through the underbellies of Haiti to try to find her. And it was all about like the, the um, how, how there was like the slave trade there and very, very close themes to Soul Passage. And everywhere he went led him to another place. And it was almost like she was sold to another person. And she just kept, that the track just kept leading to dead ends. And this article was just really scary and really chilling, but like so true to life. So I had originally um, taken that idea and I said, well, look, let me let me put out a draft just for fun. So I wrote this draft really quick of what Soul Passage like was back in the day. And it was not even, it didn't even hold a candle to what it became. And then I realized that like, I would benefit from a writing partner bringing this to life and bringing fresh eyes to it. And then Kristen got on board and I said, well, Kristen, as our first screenplay, let's take this and let's really turn it into an awesome screenplay. And she came on board and it's just transformed this thing into something absolutely incredible that that it wasn't before. And it really brought the flavor of the original story that I read and that passion and fear and uh, emotion to that story to life. We took the original screenplay, we started to write from it, and then we just panned that and went to brand new outline and sat down and fleshed out the characters and then how we want them to be. And then when we sit down, we'll do the dialogue together. I'll generally type it and we'll just we'll bounce ideas off each other. So so it's it sounds like it might have been inspired as like a crime thriller almost before it turned into horror. Is that right? Can you address that? I think it was inspired as a as a crime thriller. And I think it's still very much a little bit crime thrillery. I I do think that the original, my original passion towards the project stemmed from that relationship with the brother and the sister and how heartbreaking it would be to like lose a family member to this crazy voodoo slave trade, which it really is. And it's a really true life thing in Haiti. I mean, this stuff really is going on. And, you know, it stems from really deep roots in, in Haitian slavery. And it's it's a real life story. And it's just scary to me to think about that, that, that there's this cover for slavery in, in Haiti that's zombification and this voodoo. And that could be real. It may not be real. And I always love that dichotomy between the real and unreal. And they're both scary in their own rights. One's scary in a metaphysical way, and the other is scary in like a true life crime. Yeah. I mean, originally this was about Haitian voodooism, but we really interwove the clash between our belief system and the system of of the other, right? The mystical system of, of beliefs that we do not lend credibility to. And I think we we really made them both strong characters in the screenplay so that you you really got to see that. And I think thematically, we addressed a lot of themes that were deeply interwoven into this. I mean, Haiti in general is just this really subversive country in the sense that it, you know, slavery has been a huge theme there. It's one of the first slave nation that liberated itself in 1791. So it's just, we tried to interweave that history so that it really comes out um, in the subtext of the screenplay. I think that people have this idea about voodoo. It's a very 
colorful, um, mystical theology. And it's, it's, I think if you study the Haitian people and their resilience and their surrender completely to the mystical, you just, you're fascinated by it. It has a lot of blood and gore. I mean, they, they do, you know, animal sacrifices and all of those things. But it's, it's also, it, it has this negative stereotype about black magic that we really worked hard to dispel in the screenplay, as counterintuitive as that is. I and mean, we used magic in the screenplay, but we used it in a way that wasn't commercialized, that wasn't about saying this is the stereotypical idea of what Haitian voodooism is. We really dug deep to find out, you know, we went back to Zora Neale Hurston and, you know, Tell My Horse, went for real live accounts so that what we were infusing the screenplay with, uh, even though the villain was, you know, a Haitian voodoo priest, was still authentic. So there were interesting stories and it was fascinating, but it had none of that negative black magic stereotypes that go with it. And we, we, we worked hard to do that. So it seems like you guys had to do a lot of research into this subject. Could you say a little bit more about how that process went and what you guys found? Yeah, yeah I, I had the initial article, which was really, really great. I still have it to this day. It was, you know, maybe 10 pages long, fine print. And we pulled a lot of knowledge from that article. And then we did a lot of online research and so on and so forth. But the coolest thing that happened, this is so strange. Uh, one day when we were like halfway through the screenplay of the second draft, actually, we got this crazy, creepy request on LinkedIn saying, I made this film about zombies. I went to Haiti. I traveled there. I'm from Haiti. And I'm looking for a producer to put this out in the world. And I'm like, this is way too serendipitous. We are writing in the midst of writing a, a zombie true life voodoo. And this guy comes to us saying he has all this evidence of real life zombification in this documentary. So I reach out to him and I said, well, that's really funny because I'm kind of working on a, a project that's fictional, but it's along the same lines. Let's meet. So Kristen and I arranged a meeting with this guy in this restaurant and he shows up decked out with like hat and like he looked like, um, what did he look like, Kristen? He was kind of like, um, he, he was really well dressed. He was like Papa Doc is basically. Yeah, he was. And he, we sat down and had dinner. And he told us about how he traveled to Haiti, went to the underbells of Haiti, found uh, zombies for real. And then he showed us clips from this this documentary on voodoo zombie, you know, zombification. And it was actually really, really scary. Some of this stuff was really scary. It was terrifying. And it was, it actually made me believe. And it was weird that our two paths crossed. So um, he sent the documentary and, you know, it's not like we pulled anything from it, but it validated what we thought was true about our own research, which was even scarier to us having seen like this footage of a real life zombie in person and real life like ceremonies and, and zombification ceremonies. It was crazy. So you guys mentioned that you're both from Connecticut, which is where the main character is from. Do you guys have any other cultural ties to the subject matter in the screenplay? Can I just say this? I think that... Um... And, and I mean this honestly, I think to some extent we live in a bubble. And I think what we really tried to display in that screenplay was how much these people are ignored from them. Even though our, our lead detective is an, an NYPD detective or retired, there's still that idea that he's sheltered from the realities that other people have to live in, in other countries that have harsher socioeconomic conditions. And, and we are well aware of that, I think. So when we wrote it, I think the dialogue and the way that they're portrayed is threaded throughout that they have this, you know, my biggest concern is this swim meet, you know, oh my God, um, you know, I can't make my time and I'm, you know, 
at a museum tour and something happens to me, I'm trying to get in touch with my dad. You know, there's a lot of being sheltered, I think, that's part of living in Connecticut. And I think we're very aware <laughs> where we come from. Thanks for listening to the Hangover Lounge blogcast, XCU The Viewfinder, where we discuss screenwriting, audio storytelling, filmmaking, and offer different perspectives on all things entertainment, industry, and showbiz related. Please join us for part two of Kristen Nalagan and Patrick Mediate's interview, where they address how their screenplay responds to the call for authentic representation of cultures in media. In the meantime, remember to subscribe to our emailing list on our website, www.hangoverlounge podcasts.com and follow us on Facebook and Instagram at Hangover Lounge Podcast, on Twitter at Hangover Lounger, and on LinkedIn at Hangover Lounge to stay caught up with our newest episode releases. Mm